welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Uh, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. And it's hot. Melissa says that she asked me, she said, is that a, is that a women's sweater, the one I'm wearing? <laughs> She's savage, man. And uh, <laughs> I kind of wasn't sure. I was like, man, is it? <laughs> you know? I, I checked the tag and I said, it said men's. It said men's. But anyways, I like it. Uh, all right. All right. <clears throat> Luke chapter four, uh, verses one through 13. If you have it, say amen. 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 It says this. It says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it uh, to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Amen. Let's pray over this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for gathering us here, Father, in your presence, my God. We are before the King of Kings this morning, Lord. And if we have forgotten that fact, my God, I pray that your Holy Spirit remind us, my God, of whom we are in front of, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that as we get into your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit teach us, Father God, illuminate us, Father God, open up our hearts and our minds, my God. We are hungry for your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I've entitled my message this morning. Don't settle. Don't settle. Uh, when I was reading this passage, I couldn't help but think uh, of the uh, of the judicial system. Uh, it, you know, in the U.S., our judicial system, there's a there's a there's a process um, when when a civil case is opened. Right. There's this process. And, and during during the process, one of the first steps is is the mediation. I don't know if you've ever been in, in civil court or anything like that, but there's this process where before you get to court, you can you can have mediation. And that's the process where both parties come together. They sit down with their legal team, their lawyers, and they try to work out. A deal before going to trial. In other words, they try to settle the dispute outside of court, and they do that because it's it, it's uh, one it's it's pretty beneficial sometimes to do that. It's a good course of action because trials can be risky. What if you lose? And it continues to add expenses and and time, and you're just not really sure how everything is going to work out. So a lot of times they recommend, hey, settle. Settlement is preferred. But on the negative side, a lot of times the settlement won't give you as much as you could have possibly have gotten if you went to trial and won. 
And a lot of times in our walk with God, we settle for less than what God promised. If in your life today, you're holding on to a promise, anyone holding on to a promise? Come on. Anyone holding on to a vision, a dream? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. I know we've got dreamers in here. Come on. Uh, If you're holding on to a promise, a vision, maybe a dream, maybe it's an identity that you haven't fully realized, but, but that's what you're aiming for. You're, you're aiming to try to be a better father this year to your kids. You're aiming to not be so annoyed all the time when they're nagging you. You're aiming to be a better spouse. You're aiming to come to church more. You're aiming to be a better Christian. And that's what you're aiming for. You're aiming for a a more, a certain identity. I want to tell you something this morning, church, that not to settle for less than what you know you are capable of in Christ. Don't do it, man. We cannot be okay with just being okay as Christians, because then what you have is a bunch of just okay Christians, mediocre Christians. When we settle, we cannot live our lives at a level that is less than what God called it to be. So I want to get you to kind of examine Something about yourself this morning. What, what has God said about you that you're not currently living in because you've chosen to settle for less? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it's, you know, even though Christ has set you free because he has and the sunset free is free, free indeed. Maybe he has set you free, but you, you're still kind of settling for, for some of those addictions. You're, you're still in that bondage, even though he has called you loved. You're not, you're always so hard on yourself. And I, and I, I appreciate what, what my sister Heather said this morning. Maybe you're so hard on yourself. Maybe you don't feel like, like you're loved or appreciated and, and you don't have any friends. And, and he has called you loved, but you're settling for something less. He has called you his, but you're still living as if you're a product of the evil that you've been exposed to your whole life. He has called you a conqueror, amen, but you're still thinking that you're a loser. We have settled for the things that we think we are, what people have said we are, how the world defines us, and we bypass the attributes and the gifts that God has assigned to us. Tell the person next to you, don't settle. Don't settle. Now, Jesus was tempted with the same type of thing. It was a little bit different, but at the end of the day, he was tempted to kind of settle. And I, I hope that this offers you some encouragement that even our Lord uh, was, was confronted and, and, tempt, uh, and t- tempted to settle for less than he was put on this earth to do. So this event takes place right before um, Jesus begins his ministry. He was just baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And uh, up until that point, Jesus had been preparing. He had been preparing for his ministry. There's a lot that we don't know about the early years of Jesus. When we think about Jesus, we think 30 to 33-year-old Jesus. We think about baby Jesus once a month um, or one, yeah, one, once a year. And, uh, and then there's this event where Jesus is 12 years old and he begins to, he, he kind of realizes uh, who he is. And, and, and the, the Bible says that he begins at that point to increase in knowledge and in wisdom, and he has favor over his life. So the, for the next 18 years, Jesus is preparing for this ministry that would change the world forever. And so he's doing one final thing before he begins his ministry. What is he doing? He's fasting. He's fasting. He's gearing up for the next three years 
of its ministry, much like in the sense that, that we fast at the beginning of the year to gear up for the rest of the year to come. And so Jesus is getting ready for this mission that he's about to embark on. It's a mission that, that he was sent on this earth and, 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 and he's met by the devil. You ever been met by the devil before? I mean, I think we all have, right? And you might not really know it when he's presenting himself to you because the devil rarely looks like the devil, right? Um, Paul tells us that he disguises himself as an angel of light. Why do you think that is? Because we don't really like going into dark, uncertain alleys, right? I mean, that's, you don't do that. I would tell my, I would tell Melissa, this is when we lived in the hood, uh, I said, babe, if it's dark outside, you're, you're not going, you're not going to CVS to get milk. Let me go. Right. And I'd go and I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, you know, because, you know, it's, it's a different thing at night, you know? Uh, so the, the devil though, he, he disguises himself as an angel of light because if he's going to entice you, he wants to look good for you because we like things that look good, right? Even when we know that it's not good for us. Sometimes we're more enticed by what we see than by what we know. That's why when we're on our fifth or sixth or seventh taco and, and we're like, I know that I shouldn't do this, but it looks good and we give in. And so that's one of the, that's one of the tactics that the enemy has been using since the dawn of, of, of human, uh, human civilization. He creates illusions and visuals and he presents it in a way that is pleasing because if it looks good, well, then you think, well, it might feel good. It might taste good. It might satisfy some type of desire that I've been burning inside of me. Adam and Eve fell into the same thing. Why? Was it because the fruit that was from the forbidden tree was rotten and ugly and didn't look pleasing to the eye? No, on the contrary, it looked pleasing to the eye. It looked good. And so they gave in. And so the ultimate scheme of the devil, church, this is what he's constantly thinking about. He's he's consumed with it in regards to you. His question, how can I get you to settle for less? What will you be willing to trade for the purpose that God has in mind for you? If there's something that we know about, about sin, church, is that sin knows that you want it. Sin knows that your flesh is weak. Sin knows that your flesh wants it. The enemy knows that humans are prone to sin. He was there in the beginning. We were born into sin. And that's, that's why he's called the tempter, right? His job is to seal the deal, uh, to get you to, to fall. And so the enemy, he watches you. He watches you. He, he studies you. Now I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to give the devil all this credit. I'm not going to say that, you know, he's omnipresent and, and he sees all things at every moment, but, but as a prince, and the power of the air, that's what the, the scriptures say about him. As the first one to rebel against God, as the inventor of sin, the enemy has a system that makes him very, very, very effective. And his system is sin. And, and sin is more powerful than we realize. Sin, sin is more powerful than artificial intelligence. You guys know about artificial intelligence? That's kind of been like the talk over the past few years, it's probably going to continue being a, a talk as robots continue to replace human jobs. I know that Brandon has something to say about that. 
He says, don't go and use the self-checkout. I've been guilty of that, brother. It's just really easy, right? <laughs> but that's, that, that's, that's kind of why AI is so powerful because it, it, it has the ability to learn things. It's, it's programmed to learn. It's not just programmed to, to do something. It's programmed to learn. And so if, if it can learn things about what we want, it can better serve us. Sin is kind of like that, but like on a whole other level, because the devil knows that if you sin one way, one time, you're likely to do it again. It's in your capacity. The devil knows that if you've been entertaining something in your mind, if, if you've been talking about something, if you've been mentioning something, you, you kind of want it. And so he's going to dangle it in front of you. He's like those Instagram and Facebook ads. When you mention that you need to buy a new microwave, now all of a sudden all you're seeing are microwaves. I'm probably going to see a microwave later on. I have this theory. This is apart from my word, but let me just share this theory with you. I, I think, I think that that Facebook and Instagram. This is, is going to sound crazy. You're going to be like, Pastor Ryan really thinks this, but it's a theory that I've test, tested. I think Facebook and Instagram can read your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Um, one day I was I was in the car. It was raining, and and uh, I was buckling Layla, and it, you know I was getting wet. And I was like, man, I wish, I, I didn't say this, I thought it, I, I thought, man, I, it would be so cool if like cars had this, like this thing where you just push a button and like an umbrella comes out on the side. So when you're buckling in your, your, your kids, you don't get wet. That would be so cool. Right. The next day I saw it on Instagram. I didn't say anything. It was something that I, I thought. So that's just a theory. I don't know. Call me crazy. But that's what the enemy does. He, he, if you entertain something, even the slightest bit, he's going to show it to you all the time. He knows that if you desire certain things in your life, even if it's not sin, he can get you the things that you want in exchange for a little bit of sin. And, and I'm not trying to scare anybody this morning, but you have to know that the enemy has studied you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what has caused you to sin before. He knows your story. He might even have some insight into your future that you don't even know yet. Because think about it. The devil has been studying people since the beginning of human history. He probably has a good idea of what a great man or woman of God in the making looks like, even before they become that greater woman of God. And, and so because he doesn't want you to get there, he's studying you so that you can settle for something less. The devil knew something about Jesus. He knew that, that uh, something was about to happen in the life of Jesus. It's for this reason that he tried to, to kill the bloodline of Christ long before Jesus was even born. It's for this reason that once Jesus was born, he tried to have him killed by, by Herod. And, and this is yet again another attempt to stop Jesus before he does what he came on earth to do. But now his tactic is a little bit different. Because he's not trying to kill Jesus anymore. He figures, well, if I can't kill Jesus, maybe I can get Jesus to settle. Because he doesn't want to go to trial with Jesus. He knows if he goes head to head with, with the Son of God, he's going to lose. And so in one final attempt to stop Jesus before he gets started, the devil offers him something else. And I wonder what the enemy is anticipating in your life 
that he is working overtime to get you to settle for something less than what God has in mind for you. Man, I look at these, man, I look at these kids, and they had an incredible first uh, youth service this past Friday night. And I look at some of them, and I think, man, God has something for their lives, man. They, these kids are smart. I mean, they're smarter than, than I was at their age, and, 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 and they're, they're talented. And, and, and I'm like, man, God is going to do something in their lives. I see a future when I look at them. And, and if I see it, and if you see it, I'm sure that the enemy sees it. And so what is, what is he planning? And maybe he can't kill you. Maybe, maybe he's tried some things before. Maybe he's tried at the schools trying to influence your kids, but you raised them right. They're not easily influenced. In fact, they influence others, right? Maybe the enemy has tried to take something away from their lives or add something corrupt into their lives, but, but you pray for them over time. You're on your knees and he's tired of going head to head with a godly family. What if he can't kill you? What if he can't get you to stop going to church, but he can still find a way to get you from the destination that God has in mind for you. I want to, I want to just kind of quickly go over these three temptations of Jesus real quick. It says, this is verse two. You're still with me, right? All right. It says, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. All right. So a lot of us, we read that and we think, well, what's, what's wrong with turning some stone into bread? You know, I mean, his, his fast was over, right? He wouldn't be breaking his fast. Some of you already got lunch plans. You already got reservations for next Sunday when the, when it ends, right? It wouldn't be a sin to break your fast after you fulfilled your commitment of that fast to God. So why was this even a temptation? It was a temptation because if you look at the scripture that Jesus quotes, uh, he says, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3. And, and I wrote it down. It says, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, does, that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So in the wilderness, the Israelites, they had to learn how to depend on God. Even when they couldn't see provision, they had to learn to trust in God, not just in what they could do on their own without God. So think about it. Jesus is in the wilderness. He was, he was there for 40 days. He was hungry. His fast ended, but he's still in the wilderness. He doesn't really have access to, to Walmart, right? He's in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't have much access to food. And the Bible says he was hungry. So the devil comes to him and he, he reminds him, hey, you know, you're God, right? You know, you, you know, like you're the almighty, right? You know that you can just make this miracle and whip up yourself something nice and, and you can, you can eat it. Right. And it's going to be okay. And the very, very human Jesus wasn't about to cheat using his very defined self. Did you get that? I, I, I said it wrong. The very human Jesus wasn't about to cheat using his very divine self. He wasn't going to satisfy himself. He came on earth to be fully, yes, fully God, but also fully human. What if he went around just doing a bunch of things to, to please his, his, his human self? That's, that's not how the human life is. I can't just snap my fingers and, and have something that I want. 
So, so Jesus wasn't about to compromise. And so he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the Lord. So the first temptation, as I see it, was twofold. It was a temptation to cheat, and it was a temptation to not depend on the Father. And I don't know if you can relate to that. Sometimes I wonder to myself, man, how much better would my perspective on life be if I just trusted in God more? You know? Like, how much, how much stress would I let go of if I just gave every worry, every anxiety, and I cast it before the throne of God? I'm generally a pretty positive person. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, half, I'm a cup half full type of guy. But sometimes I fall short. And, and sometimes it's easier and it's more convenient to cheat a little bit. It's easier to, to make sure that I'm diversified in my security, right? Because if I just have to depend on God, well, what happens when God doesn't answer? I'm freaking out. So, you know, sometimes I got I to gotta make sure that I've got a little bit of money saved up in the bank account. I got to make sure that I have a good network of people that I can go to and I can ask for advice when God doesn't respond. And th- those things aren't bad, but sometimes I have to ask myself, have we settled in our faith? For something less powerful. What happens? What happens when all security, everything else we put our our, our trust into, what happens when it's taken away? And all we're left with is trusting in God. Can we do that and be okay? Or have we just settled for something else? The next temptation of Jesus was a temptation to expedite his earthly ministry. This is verse five. It says, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all the authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to you. If you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus knew that at some point he was going to be king. He knew that revelation talks about it. One day, Christ is going to reign over the, over the new heavens and the new earth. We're going to walk with him. We're going to have a good time. We're going to be able to ask him questions, and it's going to be awesome. And, and the Bible says that, uh, that the sheep will lay down with the wolf, and everything's going to be great. It's going to be peace. The devil said, you can have it now. I can give you everything, everything that you want. You don't have to die. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be humiliated. You don't have to go through the process. You know how we don't really like the process, right? We want to bypass the process and just get to the promise. Jesus was presented everything that was going to be his anyway, but now, instead of later, he was offered a shortcut in exchange for him bowing down and worshiping someone other than God. That's another question that we can ask ourselves. Have we... What have you settled for so that you can have it now? <clears throat> what have you settled for so you can have it quickly? How many of you cash out of Venmo instantly and pay that 1% fee because you can't wait two or three business days? It's got to be now. What, what have you settled less for because God was taking too long? Man, God, you take too long. Maybe he promised you something. Maybe he promised you a, a, a new job. Maybe he promised you, you know, you're going you're gonna to fall in love soon. Maybe he promised you something that you've been waiting for and you've been looking out for, but it hasn't come. And so you're like, well, I've got plan B. Plan B looks good. 
I'll settle for plan B. Then the final temptation of Christ. He's taken up to the pinnacle of the temple uh, in Jerusalem, and the devil tells Jesus something using the very word of God, right? He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up. So this was another attempt, uh, another temptation for Jesus to, to cheat, to show off, right? Uh, to, to, to the devil who clearly knew who Jesus was. Jesus didn't need to prove anything to the devil, but he could have. Jesus could have settled. He could have done all these things. He, he's God. He has the authority. And these temptations, I want you to think about this. These temptations, all but worshiping the devil, but, but, but the eating bread, you know, after he fasted. Uh, okay, that's not, that's not really a sin. It's not something we consider a sin. The Bible, you know, the Bible does say that he will command his, his angels. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's not a sin, right? But see, Jesus set a standard here that we often overlook. And we overlook it because settling for something less than what God wants, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not something we'd always call a sin. So we justify it, right? We're okay with it. We justify going halfway when God called us to go all the way. And so sometimes we settle in our marriage. We stop going above and beyond for our spouse. Sometimes we, we settle by not being the best parent that we know that we could be to our kids. Sometimes we settle by quitting things that we convince ourselves we don't have any time for. We settle for a mediocre relationship with God when God wants you to go deeper. And, and sometimes if, if settling is all that the enemy can get, he's going to be happy with it. And he's going to consider it a victory unto himself and a loss for you because it meant that he got to keep you from where God wanted to get you. So don't be happy with settling. Don't be happy with complacency because what happens is when you settle, we stop moving forward. We stop trying to be better. We stop reaching for the things that God said was in our reach. If we had just kept going, if we could, if we just had kept trusting in him, if, if we had given him everything instead of something. And just like he knew something impactful was about to happen in the life of Jesus, the devil knows something about you. The devil sees something. The devil knows that you have something powerful to offer. And I don't know if you believe it. Because maybe you have settled for something less. And he's watching you. And he's studying you. And he's learning from you. And he's going to tempt you with things that we would never even call sin. And so we justify it. And as a result, as a result is an unfulfilled purpose in the lives of Hundreds of millions of believers who took less than what God wanted to give them. What have you settled for in life, church? What have you settled for that God wanted to give you more of? One hour a week relationship with God? Maybe, maybe a career that, that pays better than what God really wanted for your life. Jesus taught us something. To never settle for less. And I want to tell you, church, man, man, we would not be here today 
worshiping the son of God if he had chosen to take something less than what he was called to take. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. Because then he wouldn't be perfect. He wouldn't be as worthy as he is today of our praise. So I want to challenge you to look at your life. Ask yourself, what have I settled for in the place of God's desire for my life? I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.